Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. This is going to be a wild ride because not only am I here with Coach Lauren, we also have our coworker, Baby Cole. <laughs> and I have a feeling he's not going to remain quiet for the duration of this podcast episode, but we're just going to take it in stride. There he goes. He's already saying hi. He's already saying hi. His first podcast episode ever, his debut <laughs> And today is another Q&A episode where Lauren and I are going to answer the questions that you all have submitted on Instagram and on Facebook. So Lauren, are you ready for our first question? I am ready. Let me hear it. You're going to have a great answer to this one. The first question we received is, how do you make the best out of a day that you're tired and didn't get a good night's sleep? The biggest tip for this in my mind is coming up, and we and you talked with our clients about this all the time, deciding on a few one to three non-negotiable things that you can do so that it is not a complete throwaway day. It's going to look different from a normal day where you are well-rested and that's okay. You can't go into that day thinking you're going to hit your goals a hundred percent like you would normally do. You might, but it's going to be really hard. Um, But even if you were to get that, at least come up with one to three steps that you can take so that it's not a complete throwaway day and you don't get sucked into that all or nothing mindset of I'm exhausted. I'm not even going to try today. So you can make it as small as you want. It could be as simple as I'm going to have at least one serving of vegetables with lunch and at least one with dinner. I'm going to hit maybe your normal step goal is 10,000, but today you're going to say, as long as I get to seven, I'll be happy. You know, it can be these little non-negotiables that you're going to do no matter what, so that you're still making the tiniest little step forward in your progress and you're still showing up for yourself, but without overdoing it. And then I would say, get to bed nice and early and try to catch up on your sleep as quickly as possible. Try to get back on on track with your sleep because you hear it here over and over and over again. Sleep is so crucial. So (laughs) make sure that you're not pushing yourself overboard, let yourself rest a little bit, let yourself take it easy without saying, screw it. I'm not going to do anything at all today. I'm just going to lay on the couch, watch TV all day and eat Oreos. (laughs) Yeah. Just kind of resisting that all or nothing mentality, which I can tell the author of this question wants to do. She's like, okay, how can I make an otherwise crappy day good enough? Mm -hmm. And you and I talk to our clients about this all the time, but life circumstances dictate that we can't knock it out of the park every day. In fact, we can knock it out of the park a lot of days. Let's be real. So we have to identify those non-negotiables and just commit to doing the bare minimum or like what we call the basics, the core action steps. So when I was answering this in my head, first and foremost, I said, first of all, acknowledge that it's going to be easier for your emotional brain to take over comparatively to your rational brain. So when you're under rested, where you had a poor night's sleep, you are going to want to make the knee jerk emotional choice 
more often because your brain is just not able to be as mindful because it's not fully charged. You are not well rested. You're not feeling like you're firing on all cylinders. So if you are faced with the chocolate chip cookie versus, I don't know, something more goal supportive, you're going to want to go towards the chocolate chip cookie. Just acknowledge that that's more likely to happen and try to notice and name before making that knee jerk choice and ask yourself, is this what I really want? And is this what will serve me? Then assess whether the poor sleep is a trend or if it was just a fluke. We all have the fluke nights where we just sleep poorly. We got to bed super late. The kid was up. The dog got sick, whatever. We just can't let those one-off days derail us because everybody has them. But if it's a trend, then I would say we need to focus on why it's happening. What can we do to encourage better sleep or more sleep? Do we need to power down social media a little earlier? Do we need to do some kind of stress management before bed so you can get all the work and to-do list clutter out of your brain? But then I had my non-negotiables, which is don't skimp on protein, make sure you're staying hydrated and load up on high volume meals, meaning you're eating things like fruits and vegetables and whole grains, because that's what's going to keep you fuller. We know that lack of sleep makes us more hungry. So if we already know that's going to happen, counteracting that by making sure you're super satiated with protein, you're super hydrated with water, and you're choosing meals that fill you up, it's just going to help to curb that overeating. And then, like you mentioned, prioritize a reasonable bedtime that night. Make sure that you're not getting two nights of poor sleep and you're prioritizing an earlier bedtime or you're saying no to hanging out with friends just so that you can catch up on a little bit of extra rest. Yes, for sure. I notice immediately my bad sleep nights cause a huge increase in cravings for all the sweets. And so, like you said, knowing that going into it, knowing like your brain is really just looking for energy. And we know that those sugary foods are super quick sources of energy, right? So I know on those bad days, bad sleep days, I'm going to be craving those. So I can be aware of it, know it's coming. And I'm not saying I never indulge in that kind of food. Of course I do. But when I know it's there and I know the reason why, it's much easier to be like, this is just my brain saying, hey, you're really tired and we need some energy so I can give it a well-balanced meal and get that same better energy out of that. And then I also had like a good conversation with a client a few weeks ago where she was saying like, because you mentioned notice and name your emotions before you go to eat. And she was like, well, great. But what do I do in that moment if it's I'm tired and that's why I'm reaching for this? And so we decided to come up with just a few super quick actionable steps in that moment. Like maybe you just want to throw on your favorite song and kind of dance around and get some, get your body moving a little bit. Maybe you want to stretch. Maybe you want to journal, just something you can do really quick in that moment to understand that yes, you're tired. And so you're reaching for the chocolate chip cookie, but that's not actually what your body needs. Maybe you can sit down for five or 10 minutes and close your eyes and rest, like come up with something you can do in that moment. Because if you're saying like, well, yeah, I'm reaching for this cookie because I'm tired and I'm going to do it anyway. If you have no backup actions, it's going to be that much easier to just keep reaching for the cookies. Yeah, you need a toolbox, right? So if you've identified this is an emotional eating response, first of all, it's totally fine to eat emotionally sometimes. But if you say yes to the cookie every time, even after you've already identified it's a fatigue-driven choice, you're probably going to feel pretty crummy. No pun intended. But I think having that toolbox of like, you know what would feel better for me is just grabbing a cup of tea and reading a book in bed or taking a brisk walk outside and kind of reinvigorating myself. 
And sometimes you're going to choose the cookie because that's just what you feel like is best in that moment. But I still think noticing and naming it brings it to the forefront that it's an emotionally driven choice. That's fine. But most of the time we want to make a physiological hunger driven choice. I love that. That was a great coaching conversation. (laughs) Next question is what are some good tips for lowering cholesterol? And we're not going to answer this one here because I just recorded an entire podcast episode on this. So I've gotten this question three times over the past couple of weeks. So I don't know what it is, but lots of people are struggling with high cholesterol right now. Very, very common. In fact, one in three Americans has high cholesterol. So episode 190 of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast, I'm sharing five lifestyle changes you can make in order to reduce your cholesterol. So go check that out. It does have a lot to do with what you're eating, also how much or how little you're moving, all of these things that you can do before trying a medication intervention, or if you're already on cholesterol medication, you could potentially reduce your dose or enhance the medication's effect, the medication's benefit. So go check out that episode if you're looking at lowering your cholesterol. The next question we got is, what advice would you give a truck driver to succeed with health on the road? Oh, this is a good one. I like this. So I can't say I know much about a truck driver's schedule other than I'm assuming they sit a lot. And most of their meals are gas stations and drive throughs So <laughs> that's where I would start. Okay. I know that there's, well, I believe that there's like laws about how often they have to stop and things like that. So I would make it a priority whenever you are stopping, if you can get out and walk as much as possible, do laps around a parking lot, try to find, you know, I know I see those like um, roadside, like stops or whatever. You can walk around, like just do laps in the buildings there. Just walk as much as possible. I know that it's an extra challenge, but anytime you have the opportunity to move, I would take it and prioritize it. And then as far as the food, that's obviously going to be more of a challenge. So first I would try to pack as much as you can. Um, Like there's a lot of fruits and veggies that are going to travel really easily in like a little packed cooler, right? So you can pack pretty much anything in a little cooler. So you carrot sticks, celery sticks, sticks, um, like sliced cucumber, sliced pepper, all of those things are going to be able to be like snacked on while you're driving really easily. Same with like grapes, apples, bananas. You can just be popping those, you know, as you're driving when you're looking for a snack. There's also things like, um, like pre, I like the pre-bagged nuts, like, because they're pre-portioned for me. I don't have to think about it. I can just grab one of those. Um, protein bars can be a really good option. Pre-made shakes can be a really good option. All these convenient foods that um, may not be like super ideal, but in this situation, they are, right? There's also for protein, um, I know a lot of people like like the jerky sticks and things like that. Um, as a vegetarian, I don't know a ton about those. <laughs> but you can also find all of these types of foods in most gas stations. So I would prioritize seeking out anything that's nutrient dense, like a fruit and a vegetable or a whole grain or nuts or something like that or protein rich. So protein bar, protein shake, those jerky sticks, things like that. And then for full meals, I tell people this all the time. My like go-to full meal on the road are the Starbucks protein boxes. Actually. I love them. They're pretty cheap. They're like six bucks and they're high in protein. Like they have one with like hard boiled eggs. They have a cheese one. They have a peanut butter and jelly one. They have a turkey one. So they've got a couple options 
And Starbucks are pretty much everywhere. You can pretty easily find a Starbucks. Um, So that is always my go-to tip, go-to meal when I'm on the road. Um, So I know it's hard, but I would try to prioritize, again, packing up what you can, seeking out those nutrient-dense foods at gas stations when possible, trying to stay away from those like hyper palatable, easy to overconsume things like donuts at the gas station and French fries in the drive-through and things like that. And basically do the best that you can and not put that pressure on yourself to be perfect. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing along a similar vein. You can't compare your life or your progress if you're shooting towards like a health promotion goal or a weight loss goal to someone who has a completely different lifestyle. And this goes for absolutely everybody listening to this Mm -hmm. episode, but I imagine if you are a truck driver, my uncle used to be a truck driver and like the majority of your day is sitting completely sedentary. So that's just not the same as like a teacher who's on his or her feet all day long, or, you know, my male woman is on her feet all day long. It's so different. So again, I think you have to put your blinders on and say, okay, what's the best I can do in this situation? My four tips, very similar to yours. My first suggestion was keep as many non-perishable goal supportive snacks on hand. You literally mentioned everything that I had listed. And I think I added like dry roasted edamame in there, just things that you can keep in your truck that are not going to go bad. Like the, I like paleo Valley beef sticks. They're really easy just to keep in your car, to keep in your purse, to keep like in your glove box, wherever and shelf stable protein shakes. I think we forget about these because we think, Oh, protein shake has to be refrigerated, but you can get a ton of shelf stable shakes that don't need to be refrigerated at all, unless you're going to drink half of it and then store it, which they're single serving shakes. So usually you'll drink the whole thing. So I love keeping those with me, even just in my pantry here at home, in case I've got to like bolt out the door and I have no other option. Cole agrees. (laughs) He is on board with all of these suggestions. He loves it. Mom, you're making me hungry. (laughs) In addition to the edamame, by the way, I just bought these the other day and had them last night in my salad. The um, roasted chickpeas are so good. They're like crunchy, poppable, delicious, kind of a little salty. They have a bunch of different flavors. Um, they have a little bit of protein in them. It's a roasted chickpea, so there's fiber there. So that's just another really good, like, shelf-stable kind of snack to have on hand. And you find them directly next to each other in the grocery store. So yeah. dry roasted edamame and the dry roasted chickpeas, they're in the same aisle. The second tip that I had was finding restaurants or eateries that have decent options. I think sometimes we fall into that all or nothing trap when we're on the road, whether it's for like a road trip or it's for your career because you drive truck, but you don't have to stop at McDonald's. Like you could just as easily stop at a grocery store, which is something that I like to do when we're in the car. I like to get some low sodium turkey breast deli meat from the deli counter. You can grab some bread if you want to make a sandwich. You can grab some vegetables with like a container of hummus and maybe like a piece of fruit or some air popped popcorn. And it's usually cheaper to get an entire meal that's then going to serve for later snacks at the grocery store than it is to get like a meal from somewhere else. Like if you grabbed some pizza or you grabbed like a burger and fries, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're on the road all the time, you probably are going to want to make some choices that leave you feeling good. Like you said, Starbucks, but it could even be as simple as 
can once a day I commit to eating some sort of salad instead of having, you know, the the fast food meal or instead of having the pizza or instead of having just snacks instead of actually having a meal. Tip number three, same as what you said, Lauren, is walk when you can. So rest stops are designed for you to get out and stretch your legs. I know when we drove from Pennsylvania to Florida, we stopped frequently because we had our two pups with us. And there's tons of truck drivers. I know that's usually your opportunity to sleep. But even if you can just get out and like stretch your legs for a little 10 minute stroll, take advantage when you can. You're not going to get a lot of movement, period, just because of the nature of your job. But when you can, absolutely try to get out and walk. A little bit goes a long way. I think sometimes we're like, oh, well, I can't get in a full 30-minute walk. So what's the point? Walking for five minutes benefits you better than walking not at all. And then last but not least, the tip that I had was stopping at 80% full and avoiding mindless munching. So I think when you're in a vehicle, at least when I'm in a vehicle, it's really easy just to eat out of boredom because literally you're staring at the road all day for hours on hours on hours. You have no one to talk to. This is just like you're, I can't imagine if this is what you do all the time. Like you're probably just wanting to crunch and munch and like entertain yourself with something flavorful. So I would avoid keeping, like you said, hyper palatable, high calorie snacks around because you're just more likely to overeat them, but then commit to eating when you're truly hungry. And when you're not, grab some water or like grab something, put on your favorite playlist that just kind of keeps you distracted and entertained in a non-food related way. Because I think that would be my biggest struggle, honestly, as a truck driver. It's just eating when I don't need to eat because it's the only thing to do. That's a good tip too. And there's like, I mean, my God, there's like 2 million podcasts out there. Like find a new one, learn something, you know, learn about a new like topic that you were interested in or something like, I, yes, I can see how that would be a huge struggle, but trying to keep yourself entertained in any way that you can books on audio. I mean, there you go. You could be listening to books all the time, or if you need a little pick me up, put on your favorite tunes and, and crank them up. So yeah, that would be, that's a good point right there. And I wanted to add to, to the salad thing, the, Grocery stores have pre-made salads all the time. Grab one. Like, I'm not even talking about the salad kits. They'll have them in those little, like, plastic containers. And usually they they have some protein in them, and you can just grab that and go, like you said. And I'm guessing it is cheaper than going to the drive-thru. Yeah. And there's so many places now, too, where you can – it's it's literally fast food. There's not a drive-thru, but I imagine you're not taking, like, a truck through a drive-thru very much. <laughs> At least not, like, a tractor-trailer truck. But they have salad works. They have sweet greens. They have, like, all of these – salad ready-made places where you can literally be in and out in five, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes with at least a high volume meal that contains a great serving of protein, one or two servings of veggies, rather than just like all the carbs and all the fat, which is really easy to eat on the road. For sure. Okay. Final question for today, because there's a lot that we need to unpack here. And this question is, can you tell me about ketones? I've heard great things about them, but after listening to your last podcast, thought maybe trying to use them isn't a great idea. What was your last podcast really quick? Can you? Well, she, I think what she was referring to is the Instagram and Facebook post that I did on Optivia. Okay. However you pronounce that diet, that is super low calorie. And I was saying- Here's why you shouldn't do this diet. And I kind of think that that's what she was referencing. The podcast that I just did was cholesterol. And then the one before that, I think was 
like five things, five big barriers for fat loss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there was nothing specifically in there about like the keto diet or about high fat, low carb. So I think that's what this author referred to. I'm guessing she took from that, I think it's Octavia, I don't know, Um, was basically, because from my understanding, like ketones are just a supplement that you can take that claim to put you in ketosis without actually having to do the hard work of the diet, right? Because that diet is super challenging to follow. So basically, okay, to start with, no, I would not recommend them. (laughs) That That is my starting form. I don't think you should be looking to a supplement for magical weight loss because that is not going to teach you any sustainable habits, anything long-term. It's only going to work while you're taking those supplements. They also sound expensive and it sounds like something you have to do throughout the day. And from my research, it looks like their benefits actually decrease throughout the day. Meaning like you get the biggest benefit from them in the morning when you're fasted. But once you've eaten and then you continue to take them throughout the day, there's very little to no benefit. So basically it sounds to me like it's a pretty big waste of money. Sure. You might lose a little extra weight on them, but you're going to gain it back because you it's, it's you're, you're basically using the supplement to lose the weight. So I would highly encourage you to pass on the ketones and instead focus so much more on those sustainable, healthy habits that will lead to true and lasting weight loss. So things like, Portion control is huge. If you want to follow a low carb diet, some people do generally enjoy those more and they like them and they do really well on them, then go for it. Limit your carbs. Some people like that. Um, You know, as long as you're not overly active, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody, but if it works for you, it works for you. So I would still recommend focusing on like your basic healthy habits, making sure you're hitting adequate protein every day. There's always one to two protein sources at your meals four to six servings of veggies every day. You're drinking your water every day. You're moving your body most days of the week. You're getting enough sleep. You're limiting liquid calories and you're managing your stress. If you're doing all those things, you're probably going to achieve some natural weight loss and you're going to feel really good doing it. And it's going to be totally sustainable versus relying on a supplement that you have to pay a lot of money for and take several times a day and won't last because you're not going to take that forever. But Lauren, I want the easy way. <laughs> Actually, I know, it sounds tempting. I get it. I totally get it. Actually, I can remember back being like 20 years old, taking not ketones, but like fat burners, thinking it was going to magically melt away my fat. Like I have this memory walking into some restaurant, taking them and being like, it doesn't matter what I eat because I have these like fat burners on me. And that's just a terrible way to look at weight loss and fat loss. And it's just... It's never going to get you any long-term results ever. It's so apparent to me on social media that we're looking for the quick fix. I know this, but like sometimes having done this for so long, I'm like, people know quick fixes don't work, right? Like we don't need to keep telling them that. That's not true. So the reel that I just did on Instagram kind of saying I would never encourage a client to try Octavia got over 10,000 views and a typical like, here's how you achieve sustainable weight loss reel gets like, 2000. So it just like was a beautiful illustration to me of how much traction the quick fix gets over the non-sexy sustainable approach. My question to this write-in would be, what's your goal? I'm assuming like you did, Lauren, that because they're asking us, 
their goal is weight loss. And because a lot of people try the keto diet for weight loss, even though it was originally designed to help with like brain function. Nevertheless, if you're thinking about trying ketones for weight loss, don't. Because the research actually shows that there's zero support using ketone supplements as a weight loss aid. In fact, I thought this is so cool. There was a study done in 2021 that explored the effects of the keto diet with and without like adding ketones on body composition and both groups, the people who just ate the keto diet and the people who ate the keto diet, but then also had keto supplements, ketone supplements, they had the same exact results. But get this, they had a control group that was a low fat group, high protein, high carb, calories and protein were exactly the same. And they lost the exact same amount of weight and their body composition outcome was exactly the same. So basically they had people on the keto diet, people on the keto diet taking ketones. Then they had the opposite of the keto diet. Everybody lost the exact same amount of weight on average because they were in a caloric deficit. So bottom line, as long as you're in a caloric deficit, it really doesn't matter if you want to eat carbs or if you don't want to eat carbs or you want to have a combination of both like me, (laughs) you will lose body fat. But I think for this question. We need to backtrack a little bit and talk about ketones and what they are. Ketones are chemicals that are made in the liver. And if you have a liver, you make ketones. More of them are produced by your liver when you don't have enough insulin to turn into glucose, which your body uses for for energy, right? So we consume glucose, we consume sugar in our food. That's our body's primary source of fuel. But if we don't have enough glucose or enough sugar from the foods we eat in the case of the keto diet, because you cut carbs, so you're not getting glucose, the body begins to use fat for fuel instead. The liver turns fat into ketones and then basically sends it into your bloodstream so that your muscles and other tissues can use it for energy. Ketone supplements basically put the body in the state of ketosis. So your body's burning fat for energy instead of carbs. Like you said, Lauren, you're not actually on the diet. You're just taking the supplement. And it's shown to increase exercise performance by 2%. And it's shown to improve brain health in certain neurodivergent communities. So if you're asking this question, should I supplement with ketones because you're an elite athlete and you want to enhance your athletic performance? Perhaps. If you have a cognition problem and you're looking at supplementing with ketones for brain health and functioning, maybe something to talk to your doctor about. But we're going to assume that the person who wrote this question is thinking about supplementing with ketones for the purpose of weight loss, in which case there is zero evidence that it is going to help you. Not to mention what you said, Lauren, it's a supplement. So it should be like the tippy, 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 tippy top of the pyramid of what you're doing. And you need to just build your fat loss on a much more sustainable, much stronger foundation of caloric deficit, mindful eating, listening to my hunger cues, making sure I know how to build balanced plates and I'm getting all the macronutrients and micronutrients that I need. Pass on the ketone supplements, hard pass. Yes, for sure. And I also want to point out too that yes, the the keto diet burns more fat for energy or whatever, but that is because you are taking in more fat. Like it's, it's at the end of the day, like you mentioned that study, it comes down to a caloric deficit. And I just think people don't want to hear that because it's too simplified. They want it to be like some, I don't know, there's like a big secret out there that nobody knows. 
comes down to a caloric deficit. Whether or not you eat carbs has very little to do with it, other than the fact that carbs are easy to overconsume sometimes. So that could help push you out of it. But the keto diet burns more fat because you are taking in more fat and less carbs. Like that's it. It's not actually helping you lose weight in any different way other than a typical caloric deficit. Here's my rub with the keto diet. And actually they, they found this in this 2021 study. People like it because they think it is far superior in terms of weight loss, because when you cut carbs, the scale goes down. That's not fat loss. When you cut carbs, you're cutting the glycogen that is stored in those carbohydrates. So you're cutting water weight. Mm -hmm. So in this 2021 study, the people who are on the keto diet lost the same amount of weight as the people who were on the low fat diet. But the people on the keto diet lost more weight in the first two weeks. So if you were trying this diet and you were like, I have lost 10 pounds in two weeks. This is amazing. Nothing else has ever worked this well. Of course, you're going to be impressed by it. But you're not thinking about how much of that weight loss is water that you're going to gain back the second you start reintroducing carbohydrates Mm -hmm. versus how much of it is fat from a true caloric deficit. So if we equal out the results from any type of diet, keto is the same as any other form of dieting that you want to experiment with in terms of outcomes. It is not superior whatsoever. And I don't have the study in front of me, so I'm not going to be able to like quote it exactly. But I do know of a study where they split dieters into two groups and one um, group ate bread and the other did not. So I don't know exactly. Again, it's not right in front of me, so I don't know how low carb the no bread group was. But the difference was that they lost about the same. However, in the bread eating group, the adherence was higher and the um, like the people that stayed in the study was higher. There was a better, there was a higher percentage of people that actually stuck to the diet versus the no bread group because they stuck, they dropped out of the diet. They dropped out of the study. Um, they were having a harder time adhering to their diet because people enjoy carbs and satisfaction. We forget that, yes, we need to make these balanced meals and we need to be eating all of our nutrient dense foods, but these meals have to be satisfying to us too. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to feel like, even if you've eaten enough calorically or whatever, you might not feel totally full at the end of it and still be looking for something else because you just ate this like super bland, gross meal that you don't really like that much or that you force fed yourself because keto, like, you know, so making sure that you actually are enjoying your food is a big part of sustainability long-term. And so for me personally, carbs are a part of that. <laughs> if it's not sustainable, your attrition rate is going to be through the roof, right? Yep. So that's why so many people stop and start the same diet over and over again. If you claim that a diet worked, but then you stopped doing the diet because you couldn't stick with it. It didn't actually work. It created some short-term intervention for you, but it's not going to create any long-term result. Exactly. I just want to make mention of the fact too, and I think this will kind of open up a lot of people's eyes. I also want to make mention of the fact that carbs are demonized, but what we're actually talking about when we say carbs are bad, carbs are fattening, is a carb-fat combination. So if we think about foods that are purely carbohydrates, bread, rice, fruit, potato, okay, fine. Those foods are not inherently fattening. We've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast. What often adds up in calories and is easy to overconsume is not bread. Like when was the last time you just ate a piece of bread? It's bread slathered in butter or it's bread slathered in peanut butter, or it's a bagel slathered in cream cheese, right? That's carb, but it's equal parts fat. 
The same thing goes for if I'm having rice. Am I just having rice or am I having fried rice with a ton of oil to make it extra delicious? Am I having a potato or am I having French fries? Or am I having a baked potato with sour cream and with you know, all the stuff you put on top, butter, or am I having sweet potato with marshmallow goop on top? Like it's carb, but it's also equal parts fat. So when we say, oh, carbs make me fat. No, it's just that you're having something that's high in carb and high in fat, like pizza, like lasagna, like linguine, like mac and cheese, all of those things that are totally fun to eat, but they add up in calories fast because you have two food groups, carb and fat, that are super palatable and super delicious. So you want to keep eating it. And there's zero protein, which we know is the most satiating macronutrient. So you're more likely to eat more of it. So I just don't think it's fair. Like I'm here in defense of carbohydrates. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with carbs. It's just that usually when we have them, say ice cream, we're having a bunch of carbs, sugar, plus a bunch of fat, cream. So we just have to be cautious. And maybe this is just for like educational purposes. Carbs are not evil. It's just that when we pair them with other delicious things like fat, yeah, they come with a lot of calories. I'm just thinking back. So it is 920 in the morning. And today I have eaten two rice cakes because I went on a long run this morning. Um, So it was like my pre-run fuel. And then for breakfast, I had oats with fruit. So I've already had like four servings of carbs today, guys. Um, it's okay. Like you said, carbs are not the devil. What I have not had is like, I didn't have a donut. Like that would not be the same. Like <laughs> that's not going to give me the same staying power as my oats and fruit did. And those rice cakes were really beneficial before a long run. Cause I needed that energy. Like I needed that quick and easy energy. So yes, carbs are not the devil. Eat them. It's okay. If fat loss is your goal, just keep it in a caloric deficit, minimize those really easy to overconsume ones that are so delicious. Cause they contain that combo carb, fat, and usually salt too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I hope we enlightened someone today. That is something that's like a common misconception. So I am hoping that people are taking this podcast episode, walking away, recognizing that one bad day, and I use that term very ironically or sarcastically, I suppose I should say, does not ruin anything. If you slept poorly last night, that's fine. Make sure it's not two nights in a row. Get to bed early tonight. If you are struggling with high cholesterol, go back and listen to the last podcast episode. If you have a mostly sedentary job, like truck driving, do the best you can and settle for good enough instead of feeling like, oh, I can't make the ideal choice. I don't have the perfect situation or circumstances. So I might as well just, you know, shoot for the bottom of the barrel and don't supplement with ketones because it's just not worth it. <laughs> and make save sure your that- money. Save your money. <laughs> and please, please, please stop buying things at the grocery store that say keto on it. Like I was at Costco the other day. Lauren and I were just talking about this before we press record. <laughs> Everything with keto. Keto chocolate bark, keto crackers, keto cookie. And I was like, what the heck? I actually looked at a nutrition label because I was just so curious. There's still carbs and there's still sugar in there. So people are just using keto as a marketing ploy. Just because it says keto on the front, it is not any healthier for you. I feel like health halo marketing terms could be an entire podcast episode because there are so many. And like you said, it like, and it kills me because these like well, con- well-meaning consumers who are just trying to do the best for their health are being duped by marketers. 
And these marketers are very smart. They know what we're going to buy. They know what we're going to be tricked by. So yeah, that could be a whole other podcast episode because it really makes me angry. Let's do it. Okay. That one's coming up next. Stay tuned. tuned. (laughs) You heard it here first. All right, guys, we will catch you on the flip side. If you have more questions where you think of a question that wasn't asked, feel free to write into us on Instagram or Facebook, or just, you know, shoot us a message anywhere you can find us basically. And we will work it into the next Q&A podcast episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the health, wealth, and wisdom podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.